Hello, everyone. It's the Saturday Friends Club for all your Saturday Friends fun time stuff. Hi, I'm Josh. We're here for nostalgia things. It's a good time. Ah. Sabrina's here. She's making noises. I'm here. Jesse's here, too. Hi, I'm back. Yep. Third episode. Third one of these. Get to get out of here after we do this one. I saved a really good one for last. It's my choice. Uh. <laughs> I was thinking, hey, you know what? Jesse over there knows video games. <laughs> it's a cool thing. It's nice to have friends that work in video games because you get to be like, hey, you make those things that people like. <laughs> yes. Every once in a while you go like, oh, you find somebody that likes that game and goes like, oh, I know somebody that works there. And they get mildly jealous. <laughs> <laughs> jealous of all the longers. Yes. Yes, they complete, <laughs> completely missing the entire side. But, oh, they make the thing I like. <laughs> Actually, uh, interesting side point. I, uh, back way long ago, time ago, I was doing psychology and trying to do human factors. Oh, yep. um, yeah. And part of one of the things I did is I actually contacted the guy that does, like, psychology over at Valve. Yeah. Because yeah. he's one of, like, the main person that did it. And I'm like, how many, like, roles are there for this? And he's like, I'm kind of the only one. Yeah, that um, it's funny you mentioned that. That's been changing a lot more. Are investing in just because of the testing you can, or like beta testing, or see like what choices do they press this button or that button? Like what what outcomes do you get? So fully growing. Well, it ultimately it was the reason that I decided not to go into like my master's degree because then I contacted like two or three people that were currently in that master's degree like ten years ago. Oh yeah. And they were yeah. like, oh yeah, we're gonna go that way too. And I was like, there's no room. <laughs> I'll just get our actual job. And then I could just get that by whatever means I need to while making money. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, as said, we are talking video games this week. And this week, I'm actually going to bring up not the first video game that I saw. That would have been the Street Fighter movie, which I recall being the first uh, of those movies that I saw in theaters. The first movie I actually ever saw alone, which was interesting. Interesting. Yeah, okay. my parents just dropped me off at the movie theater and went like, we're not watching this. You go see it, kid. <laughs> But this was definitely a movie that I remembered. I went with a whole big group of my friends. Oh, yeah. They were so excited. Oh, yeah. Um, an admission that Sabrina and I have had, we have not played Final Fantasy. Now, I will, I will be a little more specific. I have played Final Fantasy XI, which is the MMO, which, as I understand, doesn't count. Uh, it's the first iteration. The first MMO, not the, the MMO. 14. I have not played that one either. Yep. Um, I have played some of 10, didn't like it, yep. got to Blitzball, <laughs> wasn't a fan. I, uh, I don't like losing at games when I'm first introduced to them and then I quit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, coming from the opposite side, uh, for anyone who's not familiar, uh, Final Fantasy is a very large franchise, uh, based on a series of fantasy made by Japanese. So a long time ago. Uh, we had Square and two different Japanese developers that made role-playing going all the way back to the original Famicom, Nintendo Entertainment in the U.S. in the 80s. So Final Fantasy One was just a plain old role-playing uh, based on Dungeons & Dragons. Hmm. So we're going way, way, way back. It was based on the fantasy setting of Dungeons & Dragons. It has lots of D monsters in it that you fight. And the story, you could call it that, uh, was very basic. It was about four warriors of light who had to save the world. 
and uh, you you didn't have a lot of memory to put a lot of text in games back then because the they could not hold very much data on a cartridge, basically. So because of that, the story is literally one little text crawl. It's pretty much all you get other than talking to, you know, some of the characters or the story. Um, Final Fantasy, however, in nowadays, as a very franchise, all about story, pretty much. I mean, every game that comes out has giant world, whole new fantasy setting for lore to characters that have pretty detailed backstory. Um, and, and that's what most people will call, quote unquote, a Final Fantasy nowadays is you know, very different from its... <laughs> yeah, and, and people will get into fights of like, oh, now seven's my favorite. Oh, oh forget yeah. that, six the best. Oh, I love nine. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because ultimately the gameplay has changed uh, and it's more in service of kind of a fantasy than the gameplay element. Uh, when, when we make a video game, usually at the forefront of what we focus on is what is the game? Like, what are you actually doing? Like, what's fun about the staging with? Uh, Final Fantasy became more than that. It, it turned into what we call franchise, you know, an, an IP, an intellectual property, uh, which means you want to exploit that property in all possible transmedia ways. So, you know, starting in the 90s, and 90s we started seeing video games pop up because video game companies are like, hey, what are other ways we can get people with our characters? outside of the video. Unfortunately, <laughs> people who are really good at making video games are not necessarily also very good at making movies. <laughs> Turns out uh, when you make a movie that costs, uh, I don't know, 137 million and you make 85 million at your box office. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, it's, it's a famous genre for being bad uh, <laughs> because we have the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, there's a great documentary out there basically it was doomed from the start that movie was never going to success up to and including the directors getting divorced yeah it's a lot of these movies were a nightmare because these properties didn't know who to trust to tell a story or they tried to make it too much like the video game you know if you play a video game it's very different than watching a movie right like yeah. it's a very different method of storytelling so uh i'm interested to talk about this movie because it is has nothing to do with any previously existing Final Fantasy game. And therefore, the people who had very high expectations to go see it uh, frequently hated it. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it felt like everybody, that, that same group of people that went to go see it with me were all super jazzed to see it. <laughs> and like... After after it was all said and done, I actually made the joke of like the credits were rolling. I'm like, hey, don't worry, guys. That was just a cutscene. The the controllers come out next. Um, but just because Square does do some very long cutscenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, it's one of those things where if it was not like the Final Fantasy VII characters, they were not going to be happy unless Cloud <laughs> showed up. Uh, you know, they weren't going to be happy. And this was a story that was very different, unlike any of the Final Fantasy stories that I've heard of thus far. Um, so this was basically a movie that I saw that kind of stuck with me because it seemed remarkable in many ways, but unremarkable in a lot of others. Um, so you had seen, uh, you had seen this before. I had, yes. Okay. I saw this in theaters, uh, 
I was not yet a game when I saw this movie. Uh, however, I had played a ton of videos, as many members did before they worked on um, And I didn't honestly know what to expect because up until this point, quote unquote best video game we had uh, video game movie was probably what the first Tomb Raider or was that after this um, uh, and prior to that Mortal Kombat not Annihilation uh, so the first Mortal Kombat came out in 1995 uh, and although it is a bad movie it is at least somewhat competent like mm-hmm. minimally competent so and the, funny so and the schlocky the first Tomb Raider <laughs> movie came out the same year 2001 okay so the first Tomb Raider film is at least a competent film. Yeah. It, it's not a great movie. The acting's not great. It, it it at least is somewhat competent just because they knew they need to tell a story. Mm. And that meant not following the plot of a video beat by beat. Yeah. Um, yes, they couldn't just have Angelina Jolie just doing everything in the first game, which would have amounted to being chased by tigers. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they at least knew they needed to tell a story. And that, you know, to have a successful video, quote unquote, you need to do something new with the character. You got to take the characters we love, right? And you got to do something else with them. Something that's made for film. Uh, But yeah, this movie, (laughs) I saw it in theaters. I remember Alec Baldwin's voice uh, immediately realizing it was him uh, and thinking to myself, oh, Alec Baldwin. (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> and he he seems very apparent that he wanted to just phone it in on this oh, movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I remember very distinctly in the first five minutes thinking to myself, this is not going to be. <laughs> uh, Sabrina, had you seen this before? Yeah, I actually saw it once it was really, I don't know if it was DHS or DD by this point. I think both. Yeah, I think it was the simultaneous because they hadn't given up on it. Yeah, it's just, I don't know if we had, I don't remember if my family had made a change to DVD yet yeah. at that point. So it could have been VHS or DVD. Um, but yeah, I watched it because I remember seeing the, the trailers for it and thinking it looked really cool. Um, and then I remember really actually liking the movie, but I was also kind of at the point of my life where uh, I hadn't played any of the Final Fantasy games. So I didn't have that expectation to have those specific characters showing up in it nor that specific storyline from those games. Um, and I don't know, I was super into like that metaphysical, spiritual shit back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I still yeah. sort of am, but I was more into it when I was young. So I remember really liking it. And the end song was on my MP3 player for like a really long time after I moved. She, she made me stop, like go back on and actually rewatch the credits so she could listen to it some more. It's okay. a, I think it's a really pretty song. And, and I mean, I will say this. Um, you know, they set out to tell a story by Hironobu Sakaguchi. If you don't know, has made any video game, told a lot of stories. Um, they tried to make something that fit to him, and they spent a lot of time and effort on this. This is a very expensive movie. They set out to make the most photorealistic film yeah. at the time. It was really pretty back uh, then. Yeah. With the technology available to them, right? Yeah. It was real like I thought it was amazing for that time period. Mm-hmm. And it still like surprisingly holds up. Mm-hmm. Like I would all I, I kind of made this comparison while we were watching it. But if you take this movie and you take a similar movie like Beowulf, mm-hmm. like Beowulf is clearly superior in just the like the fidelity. This is a better movie, and that 
probably speaks to just how bad Beowulf is. Beowulf, <laughs> I mean, Beowulf, I don't know what the heck happened with Beowulf, but the animation turned out that great. Yeah, I, I bet if I were to watch Beowulf, I, I would more watch this again than watch Beowulf again. Um, I mean, I think part of that has to do, you did have at the time some of the best CG artists in industry. So even though the film has problems, it, it did not have problems with art. No. Uh, you know, you had some of the most talented visual effects artistry at the time working on it, most talented animators, uh, you know, people who do their craft in regards to animator technology. Mm -hmm. It just sadly has a plot that's convoluted and up its own ass. Uh, yeah. All well, right. We'll get to that. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. Let's, let me go ahead and throw some buzz, buzzwords out here. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about spirits. Let's talk about Gaia. Let's talk about barriers. Let's talk about uh, giant orbital space cannons. Uh, let's let's talk about like weird military forces and councils. Let's talk about all sorts of like stupid Japanese like fetishistic design policies in their video games brought over into a movie. Hey, how about we talk about the spirits within? Free escapes from Am I allowed to bring this down this time, Sabrina? <laughs> well, um, can I just say that there's not a lot of songs I can pull off using xylophone instruments. Not yeah. xylophone. What the heck are the ones called with the big bells on them? I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of um, Japanese music. Japan is lucky in that they have a lot of very composers who mm -hmm. are like pioneer classic. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, this is no exception. I mean, it's fantastic. It yeah. It's definitely an the The sound is good. The visuals surprisingly like what nearly 20 years later still hold up in a way like of being there are they are dated but they still feel close enough like even the, the even the body movements even though they're still like not perfect like it it's it's almost its own art versus the like uncanny valley yeah it's because i mean they went for the top tier execution You've got everyone doing the absolute best they with the technology. Um, I, I think that's a lot of the reason why some of it holds up, just because you had all these very talented artists doing the best they could, even, you know, pretty strict technological. Well, let me go ahead and tell you a little bit about Final Fantasy The Spirits Within. It's a 2001 American computer animated science fiction film directed by... Uh, yes, uh, both written and directed by Hironobu Sakaguchi. All right. Uh, and the co-director is Tenori uh, Sakakibara. All right, and he's the creator of the Final Fantasy series of role-playing video games. Yep. Uh, it was the first photorealistic computer animated feature film and was the most expensive video game inspired film until the release of Prince of Persia in 2010. It features the voices of Ming-Na Win, Alec Baldwin, Donald Sutherland, James Woods, Ving Rames, Perry uh, Gilpin, and my personal favorite, Steve Buscemi. <laughs> uh, the Spirits Within follows scientists Eki Ross and Dr. Sid in their efforts to free a post-apocalyptic Earth from a mysterious and deadly alien race known as the Phantoms, which have been driven, which has driven the remnants of humanity into barrier cities. Aki and Sid must fight against General Hine, who wishes to use more violent means to end the conflict. Um, all right. Uh, 
I will see. I don't think I want to do the the resolution. How about we just dr- jump right into this really weird plot that's not going to make a ton of sense? Yeah. Um, Luckily, it's only four paragraphs on Wikipedia, so it's oh, not going to be an easy flight. <laughs> and I will say before we get started, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen um post-apocalyptic views are very popular. Uh, keep that in mind into the plot because uh, going all the way back to the Akira manga and even earlier than that, post World War II has some of the richest post apocalyptic fiction out there mm-hmm. in many ways because they did go through their tragedy in their country during the, the US saw no other way to end the war. They believed set to new Japan. Yeah. Uh, and then they were occupied by the United States, uh, still are unofficially occupied in capacity by the United States as well. Um, So when you're listening to this plot, just keep in mind the fact that, you know, post-apocalyptic fiction, thing. Yeah. They are experts in this. Godzilla was all inspired by the fact that they do the way they did. Lots of uh, nuclear-related stories. I don't blame them. (laughs) They're they're into a lot of the idea of, hey, rebuilding, and sometimes war is bad. Yep. So, uh, in 2065, Earth is infested by an alien life form known as phantoms. By physical contact, phantoms consume the Gaia spirit of living beings, killing them instantly, uh, though a minor contact may only result in an infection. The surviving humans live in barrier cities, areas protected by an energy shield that prevents phantoms from entering, and are engaged in an ongoing struggle to free the planet. After being infected by a phantom during one of her experience, wow, they're they're just gonna jump to this plot point immediately inside yeah. of here. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm all right. We're going to we're going to to deviate from this a little bit. So first we meet um, uh, Aki Ross, yep. who's in a spaceship and goes down into old New York City, and we don't exactly know what her deal is, but she's just going to go inside of here and she's looking for something. Uh, some military people show up and they're like, hey, you can't be here, to which she's like, screw you, I'm going to be here. <laughs> um, she keeps firing this, like, flare thing into the air, which literally sounds like screaming people. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's not a great effect. Uh, but, you know, she's putting this sparkler out for some reason. Uh, and after a while, like, you s- start seeing, like, these very, like, invisible forms of things just in the area i yep. think the the flare is supposed to like tell her where they're sleeping i guess because when they're not active they kind of like sink into the ground yeah so when she sets it off it's so she doesn't walk on top of one of them just gets her so that's why they come out and they show them those right yeah it's interesting because it's like radar meets echolocation <laughs> you know yeah yeah it's, it's this weird fusion of technology yeah, basically yeah. they're like invisible but if they get a little bit of energy they glow a little bit yeah so you know that's why at this particular point they are near like almost invisible later on in the movie they are way more visible uh for reasons that they state um but basically like she's going out and she finds a little plant and she collects the little plant and then like there is an entire scene where they're trying to get out of the city and they get out and basically you have um let's see if we can find this uh, Gary Edwards who is uh pretty much Aki's uh longtime standing guy yep thing person that she knows 
I mean, the go-to. Yeah. It's her go-to, Hands- right? Handsome man a, boy. She has a team assembled of done. So, basically, they're going in. They have to get scanned for phantom things. Turns out he's got a phantom thing in him yep. because he got touched. So, they have to go to the bay. She shoots some pew-pew lasers into his <laughs> tummy uh, and is able to take care of the phantom with one second remaining. Which, my question in that particular scene, what would have happened if that would have hit zero? Would he just have exploded or what? That uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think they really specify. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be left to our imagination. You know, it's bad. I um, mean, he was. They were. They were cutting smaller pieces. It was getting tinier. Like it, it's tough because. Um. So, uh, for those of you that don't know, Hironobu Sakaguchi, since he was both writer and director, um, he's very George Lucas like in that he wants things to his singular vision. Uh, so imagine a very hierarchical filmmaking process where all decisions have to be through him. So he may be the only person that actually has the answer to your question. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> Let me call him up. We can find out. I've yeah. got a phone right here. <laughs> Sakaguchi-san. nani <laughs> Like, what is this, man? What's going on? <laughs> all right. So basically, uh, he's infected. They cut out the infection. Yay. They go have a council meeting with uh, what's his name ends up being one of the council members. Um, God, what's his name? I... Hold on, I'm going to have to go through this because the, Keith David. It's Keith David. Keith yeah, David, sorry. President Keith David. Yep. Man, uh, uh, another fun thing, the fact that Keith David is in this, which is like a weird sci-fi video game movie, and he was also in a big sci-fi game, yeah. what with it being Mass Effect, yep. which feels somehow a lot like this at times. Uh, Yeah, I mean, um, interesting... Uh, I will say this, despite not being particularly story execution, definitely inspire their properties. Uh, one, which I'll go into later after we've gone through, is Death Stream, hmm. which will be coming out soon. The game in production. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll get into that later. But I, I definitely think echoes of what they tried to do movie are now being attacked. Oh, yeah, because okay. it does have that like invisible creature thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, all oh, right. Yeah. Um, All right, so now we get to the point that I can actually start using Wikipedia again. Um, (laughs) Basically, uh, they have the council meeting, and they're like, big bad guy um, is like, hey, I got this big old cannon, uh, says General Hine. And, uh, you know, our doctor friend, Dr. Sid, is like, you shouldn't shoot a cannon. Shooting the cannon's bad. (laughs) And they have this discussion, and basically... At one point, Aki goes, hey, listen, we're making progress because, look, I got one of these phantom things in me and it's being held. And they're like, whoa, that's really weird. (laughs) I guess we need to not make a decision right now. So you may say to yourself, this plot sounds very confusing. This is only the Yeah, we're just starting. (laughs) (laughs) You, You may say, oh, what's that, Josh? I don't understand what's going on. Oh, you've only begun to get confused. Yes, I haven't even started down this Wikipedia hole. <laughs> All right. Uh, so basically, after being infected with the Phantom uh, during one of her experience, Aki Ross and her mentor, Dr. Sid, uncover the means of defeating the Phantoms by gathering eight spirit signatures yep. when joined will negate the Phantoms. Aki is searching for the sixth spirit in the ruins of New York when she's cornered by the Phantoms, as we said, uh, but rescued by Gray Edwards, played by... 
Alec Baldwin doing his most Alec Baldwin I'm being paid voice. Yep. Oh, yeah. uh, and his squad of deep eyes consisting of Ryan Whitaker, Ving Rames, Neil Fleming, Steve Buscemi, and Jane Proudfoot, Perry Gilpin. Uh, it's revealed that Gray was once romantically evolved with Aki. Uh, upon returning to the Barrier City, Aki joins Sid and appears to before the Leadership Council along with General Hine, who is determined to use the powerful Zeus space cannon to destroy the Phantoms. Aki is concerned the cannon will damage Earth's Gaia, a spirit representing the ecosystem, and delays the use of it by revealing that she has been infected and collected spirits. <laughs> spirit signatures are keeping her infection stable, convincing the Council that there may be another way to defeat the Phantoms. However, this revelation leads Hind to incorrectly conclude that she is being controlled by the Phantoms. Aki and the Deep Eye Squad succeed. Okay, so the, there's a so, lot yeah, going I on mean- here. We've got a little hint here uh, from what you mentioned, a sentient uh, or spirit of um, this is something that exists in a lot of Japanese. Um, it's basically like Mother Earth mm-hmm. is the Western equivalent. Um, but there's a lot of Japanese lore that talks about Earth as being a spirit. And we don't want to accidentally kill the Earth in while we're you know, taking kill them. Right. Is basically what they're saying. <laughs> uh, another thing that happens in this movie is that there's a lot of times where Aki is having dreams and they are dreams of like, yeah. at first they are very all over the place and just like, she's standing in this place and this place looks weird. Okay, that was the dream. Yep. And then there's like, oh, she's in the same place, but all of a sudden there's like two armies rushing towards each other. Huh, that's kind of weird. And then it breaks there. So each time more and more of like a story in this alien place keeps getting like shown to her. Yeah, she's basically having visions, premonitions. Um, the, they're attempting to explain certain themes, but unfortunately storytelling is pretty low. So a lot of people at this point in the movie well, especially considering the fact that we have the next part, which is like, okay, we need to go out to what Arizona, yep, and now we need to go find this next spirit. But we've got a group of people, so so Hein has, they know Aki's going to go out to try and find the next spirit. <laughs> so Hein has make sure that the guy, um, Alec Baldwin's character, Gray Edwards, go with her because he specifically wants. Him to follow Gray, but he also sends another squad out yep. to follow Gray yep. to make sure that he is going to do what Hein wanted him to do. Um, yeah, so <laughs> things fall apart pretty quickly. Um, notice that Josh is calling characters Guy a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of characters with names that are breeded, but you don't actually get any strong sticks out of any of them so it's really hard to keep track of who's doing what like what people's motivations are i mean the it's a mess at yeah. this point i mean basically if you were to take our main characters here and you would distill them down to a word doctor scientist yes. he's the doctor, doctor. Aki, <laughs> uh she's the lady with the thing in her yeah uh great edwards military guy yep military uh, guy ryan yep. whitaker military guy but of a different like Motivation. skin color yeah, yeah. yeah. uh <laughs> neil fleming he's the sarcastic one yep. jane proudfoot the lady soldier that is essentially like as much detail as any of these characters have yeah which is too bad because you have someone who basically you have a case of a writer and director who has real world building ideas but really needed to hire someone who had a run effective grips and effective characters because 
the problem with having some world building necessarily know how to best tell a story in that world so that you will understand a what is going on and b what the hell everyone is doing throughout the film <laughs> now granted during all this there are actually some really great like th again the visuals hold up and there oh, are yeah. some like really great oh, yeah. things like looking at the barrier city is like this is really cool for yep. like 2001 standards yep. yeah um you know and there's you can tell that like oh well, so much time and like thought went into this it's just that it's really hampered by just a bizarre like oh okay this is the plot you went with neat and this is also a great lesson for anyone working in the game and film because you cannot make a film. Uh, they learned a lot of really hard lessons in the production of this film. One being that it took an average of 90 minutes to render. Yikes. Uh, there are 142,000 names in this movie. Do the math. Uh... <laughs> so let's just say as it were uh, to call them refilm. They were not really possible. Right. So if you didn't find all the problems during the storyboarding part of your process, you were never, ever, this doomed, you were never going to fix the story problem. Mm -hmm. It's like, can we redo the voices? Like, change up the scene and change the voices in the movement? Not at all. Nope. You are stuck with that. You are screwed. <laughs> all right. Let's see. So at this particular point, uh, Aki and Deepai's squad, squad succeed in finding the seventh spirit as Aki's infection begins to worsen and she slips into unconsciousness. Her yep. dreams reveal to her that the phantoms are actually spirits of dead aliens brought to Earth on a fragment of their destroyed planet. Sid uses the seventh spirit to bring Aki's infection back under control, reviving her. I still don't entirely understand how they <laughs> put the spirits into her. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. doesn't make a ton of sense. Yep. Um, and the spirits can be like in the strangest things, like they're in plants. One of them's in a guy's backpack for some reason. Yep. Um, it's all sorts of just weird and all over the place. Yep. Um, so to scare the council into giving him clearance to fire the Zeus cannon, Hein lowers part of the barrier shield protecting the city. Though Hein intended for only a few phantoms to enter, his plan goes awry and legions of phantoms invade the entire city. Aki, Sid, and Deep Eyes attempt to reach Aki's spaceship, uh, their means of escape, um, which actually leads to like a really probably like the best action scene in this entire film oh, yeah. where they are, you know, basically they're going from a prison all the way trying to get to the ship and trying to escape. Yeah. Um, and it, I feel like it's like at least a good like 10, 15 minutes of like, okay, well now we're here. We're in a car chase. Yeah. Like we're, we're going through here. We have to like take a detour because basically if we get touched by any of these things, we're dead. Um, yeah. You can tell that they have experience directing uh he cut scenes with action because those are the only scenes that are like really competent <laughs> yeah like any time that anybody's just sitting there talking it's like okay this is kind of not great but okay <laughs> but okay but yeah. you but you put the scenes together where it's like oh we got to do something cool and awesome here it's like hold on yep so hold, hold my beer hold, hold, hold <laughs> future future beer hold my essence <laughs> hold my gaia you know? hold my gaia um so but basically during the scene we have three of the teammates die ryan neil and jane are all killed by the phantoms yep. uh let's see to go through them in time ryan takes the kind of like i'm just gonna sit here with this gun put it in my hand and i'll just shoot them and 
take them out, you know, as he blasts them away. Um, you end up having uh, Neil dying in almost like a Wash-esque way. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like that, like, I'm going to do a cool thing. Look, I did the thing. Isn't that great? And then just like, oh, I got a spear through the chest. Weird. <laughs> yep. Um, very, very Wash-esque. Spoilers. Uh, oh, spoilers for <laughs> a movie we've, mo- well, you should have seen. Yeah, got to do that at some now. point. Break our hearts all over again. Uh. Uh, and I actually, I may have looked away, but I didn't see the point in which Jane died. Oh, uh, yeah. Did she just, like, fire a bunch of guns? Yeah, so after What's-His-Face gets the tentacles through his chest, she starts shooting at the thing that had the tentacle in his chest, and it goes away, but then this huge one comes out of nowhere with these huge tentacles all over the place, and eventually one of the tentacles gets her because it's so huge. Yeah, it's the, like, bigger fish. Yeah, uh, basically. Yeah. yeah, where the giant ones start coming out into her area. Right. Yeah, and it's a, it's an interesting point that they also make during this because there's so much like a different like style to all of the creatures. Yeah, like yeah. you have ones that look like look humanoid, but then you have ones that look like giant like lobsters or like tentacle elephants and shit like that. And they're just like, what is <laughs> up with these? And they're, basically, their way of getting around is just like, oh, this was just the ecology on the planet. Yep. Like anything and everything that was a creature on this planet is now a ghost. Yep. And is infecting your world with a ton of ghosts. <laughs> It's a lot of ghosts. It's a lot of ghosts. Yeah. Um, okay, so basically, Hein escapes and boards. The, so, uh, so they get away. Um, Hein also escapes and is having one of those like, I'm gonna put this gun to my head and take myself out. And he's like, Oh, but wait, no, I've got a space station. I'm gonna go there first. Shoot my. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to shoot my cannon. That scene was so random. It's like, why even show that when he's not actually gonna do? Well, I mean, he feels remorse. A ton of people died. And he said they explained something before well, that he lost his family so, in the San Francisco barrier yeah. collapse. This is the moment where you're supposed to feel some sort of sadness or sympathy for the character. But since the characterizations are so bad, you, you don't really have any feelings for the character. No. I mean, mostly I just went like, okay, why did he suddenly change his mind not to shoot him? Well, because he decided, oh, well, now I've got clearance to get inside of the space station. It's supposed to be an arc. It's supposed to be a character arc, but the arc is, you know, awful, practically non-existent. You have to have caught that throwaway line where he's like, I lost my family in San Francisco when that barrier fell and he caused a barrier to fall here. And now he's like, I feel so bad. And then like, wait, I got it. Then why would you think of? opening the barrier to begin with knowing you lost your family when that other barrier that makes no sense because he was trying to like that makes no sense he was trying to you wouldn't risk people's lives like that if you were that affected by someone dying but he was so like he wanted to fire this cannon so badly that he was like i'm just gonna let a few phantoms in and then we'll destroy those phantoms and everything's fine it's fine <laughs> Not knowing that the phantoms are ghosts. Yeah, so. it, it's interesting because they're a little bit like oni, like Japanese spirits. Hmm. But they, it's it's weird. It, it's so like I have to tell you, as someone who studied in Japan, even I frequently don't understand what they're going for in this movie. <laughs> And that's with a lot of, like, context. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so let alone the general audience member who's walking into the movie blind, just like, 
Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, Sid finally finds the eighth spirit on the crater site of the alien asteroid's impact on Earth. He lowers a shielded vehicle with Aki and Gray aboard into the crater to locate the final spirit. Just before they reach it, Hind fires the Zeus cannon into the crater, not only destroying the eighth spirit, but also revealing the phantom Gaia. Uh, Aki has a vision of the phantom home planet where she is able to receive the eighth spirit from the alien parasite in herself, which made so little sense, but okay. When Aki awakens, she and Gray combine it with the other seven. Hein continues to fire the Zeus cannon despite overheating warnings and unintentionally destroys the cannon and himself. Uh, Gray sacrifices himself as a medium needed to physically transmit the completed spirit into the alien Gaia. The Earth's Gaia is returned to normal as the phantoms ascend into space. Finally at peace, Aki is pulled from the crater holding Gray's body and is seen looking onto a newly liberated world. Yep. This is a weird movie. Yes. <laughs> yep. This this movie, you know, I uh I didn't know a lot about the production of this movie ahead of time, but I always like to what goes video game movies because, you know, I've worked late games and I every studio dreams of having their characters be powerful enough, deep enough to have a movie made about mm -hmm. Um and that's not something you can do with every video game character. You need to have a character that's compelling you know, maybe there's more to do than there's in a game, right? There's all, and it's extremely expensive to movie. And, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that goes into that. Uh, this movie, fun fact, uh, they built an entire film studio in Hawaii. What? Yeah. So um, I have a couple theories. Now, these are completely unfounded. So, you know, uh, Hawaii is between Japan and Los Angeles. I know they wanted to hire people from L.A. to work on the movie. It would make more sense to have this be in L.A. or in the Bay Area or some similar well-stocked area with talent. Um, but I bet they wanted a lot of people from the movie. Maybe they split the difference and said, I guess we'll make everyone fly to Hawaii. Uh, it just does not make sense, right? Like, you do not have a wealth of in Hawaii. You don't have a ton of talent. No matter what, you're flying everyone to Japan or L.A. or both, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they ended up getting four SGI or 2000 servers. Uh, it looks like they had about 960 Pentium 3. I mean, we're not talking about, we're talking about a, like giant video game slash film people. Yeah. That's and, this, ridiculous. and this was going to be like the first of many movies they oh, yeah. were going to make. Like, they put, they bet everything they had on a franchise coming out, an entire film franchise, which obviously did not succeed, uh, although they would later go on to that did somewhat better than this. Um, but yeah, that it was definitely putting all your eggs in one basket and taking a huge amount of risk. Yeah, I mean, especially building a studio from scratch all the way in Hawaii, that's ex Yep, flying all the talent in. I'm sure they had to pay for all the Japanese staff as well. So that's like, you know, you got to have lawyers. You got to have international agreements in order to get the right types of visa in Hawaii. I mean, mm -hmm. there's all sorts of stuff going on. And as someone who has worked with a lot of uh, people on visas, I can tell you it is not fast to get even an expert into the work on your mm -hmm. I mean, we've had people come to work on games that i've been on and it took just to get them work even though they were like top of their field had masters you know they had credentials coming out the wazoo and still took us forever just wow. so they could legally 
Um, so knowing that and knowing how long to produce, you're talking about a lot of money. I don't want to say being poured down the drain, but a lot of very unnecessary expenses that could have been. I mean, that's talk about like an insane gamble. Uh, The original budget was only to be 70 and it ended up being about 137 with 30 million spent on marketing. Believe it or not, that's low on the marketing side. Mm Marketing is usually film budget. Yeah. Uh, especially since they had to market the international pretty heavily. Um, yeah, I just don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. <laughs> well, to give you some other context inside of here, um, Aki's hair is only half as dense as an actual human's head. Oh, yeah. For okay. hair. Okay. Uh, that's still 60,000 strands of hair. <laughs> um, yeah. And pretty much took a fifth of the time that was devoted for everything in the film was handling her hair. And those developers to this day brag about their air technology. I remember when Final Fantasy was coming out, there was entire, like, they talked about how advanced air technology was. Well, maybe they could have made a good video game out of that. Walk, 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 walk. walk. <laughs> it's not the worst, uh, I'll say, worst game out there. But yeah, it, there's something that we like to talk about in development, pillars of development. So usually your pillars are things like skin player experience. Really, Gameplay. Yeah, really big, important things. Hair. Hair is not a pillar. I mean... <laughs> or it should not be a pillar. To be fair, <laughs> I remember when... I forget if it was... It was either Brave or it was How to Train Your Dragon. One of them was, like, super into the fact, uh, like, how they managed to get their hair to work in. Yep, yeah. I remember thinking the hair for both of those movies did look pretty fantastic because I feel like hair is, like, one of those things that they kept stylized for such a long period of time just because it was so difficult to render and animate. So I kind of understand why they would be, like, super excited about how well the hair did because that is difficult. It's tough, though, like... Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, you have a budget, and it's basically a series of trade-offs and sacrifices. And you have to remind yourself, like, how much will the player or actually watch the hair, right? Yeah. Like, maybe if you were doing, like, let's say you're making a shampoo commercial. <laughs> hair? Totally a pillar in a shampoo commercial, yeah. right? Like, but, um, you know, it's Final Fantasy to invest in things that they believe experience, right? And then those are the trade-offs they make. Um, personally, I wouldn't have made a studio in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a bit much. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's all a series of trade-offs. At the end of the day, you will always run out of money, time, and things that you can do. So the choices you make are very, but they're also very telling what a director's priorities are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another point that we could say, the the level that they were wanting this, uh, particularly Aki, to become like a major character and was actually like, I think they were slated that they wanted to use Aki in other films and oh, turn this yeah. into an entire thing where like digital actors actually became a real thing. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, Aki Ross was actually named number 87 in Maxim's Hot 100 for 2001. Uh, and is featured on the cover of the supplemental insert she's the only non-existent person to date to make the list and this movie i mean a lot of the marketing was hype i mean i remember how much trying to hype people up about hey this is going to be the first entirely photo Mm -hmm. that's being in the west and has a huge ip attached to it hype is hype is a but it, it is also a dutch sword yeah, <laughs> you hype your hype your fans up too much, 
airbound to support it. But yeah, I definitely remember, you know, soda tie-ins. Oh man, there were so many product tie-ins outside of this because they couldn't have product placement. You had to have all these marketing teams. Yeah, it'd be weird for like Aki just to be like, oh boy, sure, I'm glad we got that spirit. Hand me one of those Coca-Colas. <laughs> yeah, especially in a post-apocalyptic world, I don't think you would have access yeah, to that. Yeah, exactly. You got to get creative with how you're going to actually have, you know, marketing tie-ins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to, Coke's not going to pay for a, like, old broken down billboard in the middle of like Times Square. Well, I think they did have an old broken billboard. Oh, did they? Yeah. yeah I must I have not noticed it. But I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Yeah, because that's usually what you see. Usually you'll see remnants of old world and yeah. that's where the marketing kind of like its way in, like especially in zombie films, right? Like someone will find an old thing. Or Twinkies. Yeah, Twinkies, because <laughs> as we all know. I don't think Twinkies, Twinkies are ever paying for that. that. <laughs> it's just the pop culture reference yeah. that they survive the fallout. Yeah, people are just giving <laughs> Twinkies as much like free press as they can. <laughs> um, all right, Spirits Within. What do we want to say about it? Ugh. Would we recommend? Would we not? What are uh, our feelings? I would not recommend unless you are a film student that's going because this is a great lesson in what not to do. Like, uh, it's tough. So. I don't want to diss all the artists that work on this film because in terms of art fidelity, it's fantastic. Hmm. Uh, you can learn a lot of good lessons about the ways that they reinvent how we can make um, And But from a film school perspective, this is like how not to characters. Like there's a lot of just stuff that's completely lost uh, in using. And, and like the... Uh, the... You, it feels like the the direction for the character was also lost because, as we said, Alec Baldwin just sounds like this the whole time. Yeah. Even Steve Buscemi, like even the interactions with like Steve Buscemi and some of the others, like feel like was that really the way you wanted to run that take? Yeah. Like you didn't want to do that a few extra times to maybe get a different voice out of there. That's well, the one you went with. It's tough because there's a lot of cross cult there as well because you have a Japanese director who's just a second language. So it, there's all sorts tough, weird, lost entrance that happen. You have being directed by directors from country. There's, it's a mess. Like, um, I would say maybe wait for Death String to come out, and maybe hopefully that will be good. Uh, it's a game by Hideo Kojima's new studio. Um, famously, it has The Walking Dead's... Uh, Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. Thank you. They were supposed to. Yep. Yep, famously. You, uh, you now have a whole bunch of PT clones out there now. <laughs> it's true, it's true. I know, but that's because but it was good. That's why they're cloning it. I have suspicions that some of the things they tried to a movie might actually fruition this game. Teams potentially at play. Okay. We don't know for sure yet because they haven't said too much about the game yet. But uh, I'd say wait for a property that does it better um, because, I don't know, go watch Akira. <laughs> Oh, yeah, if you want a big globular, like, oh techno God. baby, sure. Yeah, go, go, if you want to watch a good Japanese post-apocalyptic movie about Earth and the dichotomy between Earth and its... Go watch Akira. Akira is pretty good. <laughs> that is definitely on our to-watch-again list. Just that, that movie is... That movie is like, I don't know what I'm getting into. And even when it ended, I was like, what did I get into? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I would say... It's for me, it's good to go back into because I was just like, how well does this hold up story wise? Not that well, yeah. but I would say like 
it is one of those things where looking at it, it's kind of a marvel to go like these graphics still hold up. The music is still pretty good. There are points like the chi- like the uh, the escape scene, which are pretty like good to watch. Yep. But then there's just like a lot of like talking and really wooden stuff. Like Keith David kills it each time, but oh, that's yeah. Keith David. Yeah. Like his number one thing is I'm going to sound very professional right now. You should have been doing this, Keith David. <laughs> I uh, mean, maybe fast forwards. <laughs> yeah, or uh, I say it's a good background film. Yep. Like, I mean, it's definitely pretty to look at. Just going back to it, yeah. Yeah, it's not great. But you know, I'm my my job here as the, in the Saturday Friends Club is to challenge us with the challenging choices of films. That's fair, yeah, you know. And I mean, this movie was supposed to start an higher type of right, like this this be groundbreaking. So I think it's important to discuss in terms of nostalgia because it's really hard on this being a success, and it really was not. <laughs> and we haven't seen too many like full like photo CGI movies since then. Yeah, like I said, we brought up Beowulf, and everybody kind of went. Ooh, to Beowulf. Um, what and, can I say? I'm addicted to my practicals. Yeah, well, practical practical effects always feel better. I make people sit down and watch The Thing anytime they told me they haven't seen it, so. <laughs> I haven't seen The Thing. <gasps> oh, I know what we're doing later. Sabrina, I didn't ask you, what is your feeling on the, should you watch The Thing? I mean, I think it's, it's nice to watch visually. Don't think it's a good movie, yeah. like story-wise. It's not, but it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. Of. I, I kind of, I, you I kind of understand the concept they were going for. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's what drew it, drew me to it when I first watched it. But, um, but like now that I'm older and I have a better grasp of storytelling, it's not that right great yeah. but i still think visually it's still beautiful yeah and it's still it's still got those beats that are interesting it's just like it's no going in that it's not a great movie yeah i mean the best parts that end scene where you're just focused on that eagle flying and the feathers fluttering the song starts and you're like it's so beautiful <laughs> the sabrina's favorite part was just like no go back to the credits <laughs> go back to the credits i really like the credits That's of this how movie your movie's good <laughs> credits man <laughs> oh my god all right well that takes care of us for this week satfriendsclub.com patreon uh com slash satfriendsclub like our wondrous friends uh chuck dan francis item crafting nicole phoenician and Redea. thank you all for being part of our patreon Woo-woo. Um, thanks for joining the club yep you can be part of the club too. get early episodes be part of our discord group uh, get details about what we're going to watch a little bit ahead of time and fun stuff. Um, Twitter.com slash satfriendsclub. I think that's how Twitter handles happen. Just satfriendsclub. We're everywhere. Um, next week, we have no clue. Uh, we are approaching episode 100 at a tremendously fast pace. Still trying to figure out exactly what we're going to do. We've had uh, our Patreon bring up some wonderful suggestions on that. Um, but, uh, we will figure out what we are going to do to celebrate, uh, hitting the triple digits, uh, on our little weirdo nostalgia show. Uh, that is it for this week. We will catch you next week with more Saturday Friends festivities and fun. Till then, uh, sleep well, everyone. (laughs) 